when you give a presentation, people are not going to retain everything that you say. And what most of us do is we leave it to chance what's actually retained. Mm. When with a few things, you can start to influence what people remember. Hi, everyone. It's Tom Abbott here, and welcome to this episode of the Selling in Asia podcast. I am very excited to have with us today Spencer Waldron from Prezi to talk about delivering highly engaging virtual sales presentations. But before we get started, I want to let you know about our virtual selling course, which is now officially live on Soko Academy. We've got some very special launch pricing going on, so head on over to bit.ly slash vsellingcourse. That's bit.ly slash vsellingcourse to join our brand new course. The link is in the show notes at sellinginasiapodcast.com. It's amazing to be here. Very excited to talk with you and your audience. Awesome. All right. So let's just jump right in. So the topic today is delivering engaging virtual sales presentations. So there's no one better to have on this podcast than you to talk about this, which is great. So thanks for being here. So here's the thing. Prezi seems to be big on the uh, conversational presenting method. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? What exactly is the conversational presenting method? Sure. So conversational presenting for us started back in about 2016. And it really came from we started to see this small group of salespeople, which started getting bigger and bigger, doing something very different with Prezi. And, you know, one of the benefits we have with 100 million people using the product is we get to see a lot of human behavior. And what we started to see is people were building these like really big presentations that had a lot of information in them, but then they were only presenting certain parts of it and it was a different part of the presentation each time. Mm. So you can imagine this started to make us a bit curious. Um, So we started talking to people and digging into it a little bit further. And what we suddenly saw was people understood that now who has information and where people get information has changed. Mm. And this was the reason why people were doing this more two-way dialogue in a presentation as opposed to I'm going to give you a 20-minute pitch (laughs) and you know for me it kind of made sense because when I think about you know back in the dark ages when I started work after university in the mid-90s then if I wanted to buy something from a company what I normally had to do was actually pick up the phone and phone that company because yes we had the internet back then but you know you (laughs) had to use yeah exactly it was very slow it took 20 minutes you couldn't (laughs) a phone call and when you got there there wasn't a lot going on so the job of a salesperson back then after you know the company had sent me a brochure and sent me some information what would normally happen is it would you know end in a meeting where the salesperson's job was to transfer information to Mm -hmm. me through the presentation to hopefully persuade me that this is a company that I want to do business with. And and that was so important back then because at the time, and I'm all, you know, if you can see a bit of gray here, I mean, back in the dark ages, <laughs> that, that was the way that consumers, uh, both corporate and individual, how people bought, that's how we got information was we, we, we would have to get it from our sales rep. And they were kind of that, that gatekeeper, for lack of a better term, who held all the information. But the world changed with the internet, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we all know how big the internet got. 
But I think another key moment in the, in the life of what does a sales presentation mean, especially, was around 2010, 2011, that the whole uh, theory of inbound marketing really took off. Mm. And what that suddenly made is, is the website suddenly became a much more involved place in terms of where we would give information to our customers about our products, our services, our you know, customer testimonials, all these kind of things. Um, so what suddenly happened is, okay, now I still want to talk to a salesperson, but it's no longer, I'm not a blank slate where I need all this information. What I have is some gaps in the information. That's why I'm talking to a salesperson, because maybe I couldn't find something on the website. Maybe I didn't understand it very well. But what I need then is some help to get me to that next stage to understand, okay, is this a company I want to do business with? Right. Uh, and something we talk about a lot, Spencer, is you know now more than ever, you've got access to all this content online. Uh, so there's no shortage of content. But what we really need from our sales professionals is someone to give us some context. How do I actually use this product or service? Will this fit in my day-to-day situations? How do I apply this? Is this the best fit for, for my unique situation? So I think it's the context that these sales professionals can give now more than ever. Yeah, definitely. And I'll, I'll bring up a visual to, to help us uh, kind of look at it. So if you think about this, what, what, what does a conversational presentation look like Mm. then it's pretty much this. And I just, this is an example from a, one of the keynotes that I, I've given in the past. But, you know, what you suddenly have is this presentation that here, okay, I've got six things that I might want to talk about. But what I don't know is, okay, what does this person know? What does this person not know? So then it becomes about, okay, I need to ask for directions. I need to understand why that's the case. And for, for our viewers out there who can see this, it's, a, it's, a, it's really great, but I did not see this beforehand, so I did not guess content versus context. This is my first time seeing this presentation. Anyway, back over to you, Spencer. <laughs> cool. So I'll take it away for a second. Um, and I wanted, like, one of the best examples of why this works is when you look at what BMW did over the years, because... When you think about the car showroom, that's quite an interesting environment because it's a physical location. It hasn't changed much in 30 years. Thankfully, the cars have got a lot better (laughs) over the years. But what happens in the car showroom pretty much stayed the same. And BMW saw the exact same thing connected to the internet because when they looked at their data, they suddenly realized that people are no longer coming into the store five, six, or into the showroom five, six, seven times before they buy the car. They're only coming once. And they're only doing once, and I guess everybody's guessed it, because they can now go to the website and find out lots of information about the car, what they want to buy, the options, finance, all those kind of things. Mm. But still kind of want a need to go to the showroom. So oh, for sure. They want to experience it. They want to test drive it. They want to smell it. They want to feel it. They, you know, how comfortable is it? So it's like they get all the data they need from, from the website, and they've done all their research, checking out different makes and models from different car brands. And maybe, Spencer, by the time they come into that showroom, they're pretty darn close to buying. They just, it's almost like they're just looking for a reason not to buy it. They're, they're pretty much over the edge. Exactly. And I, I, you know, I think fear has a lot to do with it. You know, I suspect if you put a buy this car now button on the website, even if you knew this is the car you'd want to get to, you still kind of need that security of maybe talking to a person before you did it because it's a high ticket item. Yeah, uh, I think Tesla's doing okay though, but I think overall yeah. 
you know, I think over, overall, you know, most of us are still comfortable with, we want to walk into a brick and mortar place, touch it, feel it, talk to a human, just to confirm that final purchase decision on a big ticket item. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why what BMW launched was something called the BMW Genius Program, where what they said is we now need people in the showroom who are trained in the art of conversation as well as sales because what they wanted is somebody to come in and get a question around you know how can I help you let me understand what you've learned so far about the car it was it was not so much the emphasis was less on selling it was more about plugging the gaps in the information or mm. how can I make the person feel reassured and if we you know kind of go back to the to the presentation element it's the same thing instead of saying okay I'm now going to tell you all these six things about the BMW what you want to do is you want to get directions. You want to know that actually maybe it's only number two. Mm. They're kind of really wanting to find out some information and, fit and feel more uh, confident about the decision. So that in a nutshell is conversational presenting. And it I love just, that. Yeah. So it sounds like what you're saying, Spencer, is rather than sales reps, and, and you know who you are, rather than sales reps who will have you know, a, a PowerPoint presentation with 100 slides... And they do one of two things. They either start from slide one and go all the way through 100 slides. Please don't do that anymore, <laughs> right? Or what ends up happening is they only have a set of go-to slides that they tend to refer to very often. But then sometimes it depends on the, on the situation of the, of the prospect where, okay, maybe with this type of customer, I spend more time with these slides or these slides but it's hard to always know which are the go-to slides you need all the time. But it sounds like with a tool like Prezi, you can basically break it down into these different sections and then you can quickly just jump right into that specific section. Is, is this kind of what you're talking about, Spencer? Yeah, definitely. I think that there's, there's two things I'd mention here. The first thing is when we started talking, you know, we talked to a lot of salespeople and what we suddenly realized is people are spending like 20% of their time almost tailoring a presentation each time they go present to somebody else. And one of the big things that they loved about doing it conversationally was actually, I don't need to tailor it. I tailor it on the fly because mm. I have everything that I need to talk about here in, in the, in the Prezi. And then I just see what I need to get. Mm. And other thing that I will pull out of, of what you said is the whole thing about, you know, going from like slide one all the way to slide 30. And I think I thought a hundred. Um, and I, I think a lot of the times that has to do with confidence and experience and, you know, you know, one of the things that I've done a lot with sales teams is maybe the more senior people or the more experienced people or the people that have taken the time to really own the stories and the information that they have about their products and services. So it's deep, like, you know, in their, in their consciousness almost, because then it's much easier to, to free, re, free wheel around this kind of presentation. 100%. Visual clues, like, do I need to go deeper? Do I need to pull back? Do I need to ask the directions again? But you can build this in a way that, you know, these six things, somebody who's maybe new to the company and you know, mm. they haven't got all that institutional knowledge yet, they can do the, the one to 30 and go through it. But then as you get more confidence, then you can start to say, okay, now I'll start to move around a little bit. So I think it's, there's a lot going on in terms of who can do what with presentations. But it's I love that. You know, the, the distinction you make kind of reminds me of, it's the difference between a sales rep making a presentation versus having a conversation. Exactly. 
Yeah, I love that. So what are some of the, the do's and don'ts that you would, you would suggest, things that you've seen when it comes to virtual sales presentations? Just some of the do's and don'ts. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of things that I could um, unpack here. And I guess I'll, I'll try and keep it to a few different things. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about was, like, planning what you want to say in a meeting. Because I think, you know, a lot of us, even if I have this presentation, I've got all the information in it, I know, you know, exactly what. But you still have this feeling of, like, okay, what information do I know about the person that I'm going to present to. And the, the question I always say to people is, you know, you need to ask yourself, what's the, what's the main question, or what's the main reason that you're having this meeting? What's the change that you want to make happen? Because mm. I think that's important, that as much as you say, okay, I'm going to ask the directions, I'm going to let them be in the driving seat, but I still need to control that endpoint. I still need to know, you know, what is that endpoint? What's the change that I'm trying to make? Mm. Uh, and the best tool that I've found to do this is something called the Think-Do Matrix. Mm. Uh, um, and this is something that I've used a lot uh, for not just building a presentation or thinking about how I'm going to present, but also for just going into a meeting. What are the words that I'm going to say? Or what am I going to put in a document? Um, so it's a really powerful uh, matrix it was created by somebody called Andrew Abella. He wrote a book called, uh, I think it was Advanced Presentation Design back in 2013. Mm. Um, and the general idea is you say, okay, what does my audience think now about this particular topic, my product, my service, this project, and mm. what do I want them, or what do they do right now about it? Mm. Um, so for example, it might be that, you know, if you're presenting to a, a prospect, it might be, I don't think there's any return on investment in this, and I definitely don't have any budget that's spare at the moment. Um, and you think about, okay, what's the change that I want to make? So the obvious one is, okay, maybe what I want them to think is, okay, actually, I could take some market share from a, a key competitor with this product or this project. And you know what? I can probably get the budget next quarter, uh, and we need to start planning it now. And what you, what you do is you think, okay, what information do I need to cover that will help make that change happen? Because if it doesn't, then I would argue, do you need to talk about it? Do you need to cover it in that conversation unless, you know, it comes up mm. naturally kind of thing? So when I look at this, Spencer, I'm actually coming up, I've got an example in my mind that kind of fits your specific situation, right? So it's yeah. sort of like, you know, some of our, our listeners and viewers right now, now they might be thinking that all sales presentations are static and boring. And what we would like them to think afterwards is that they're actually dynamic, fluid, and can be changing. And what are some of our viewers and listeners doing now is they're presenting using, uh, you know, Keynote or PowerPoint. And what we might like them to do afterwards is to start using Prezi, right? So is this kind of an example of, of a journey that you would want to take people on? Yeah, definitely. And, and this leads me nicely actually to you know this little box here that I left blank so all of this was created by Andrew Abella and because of my obsession with storytelling and how people emotionally connect to something and it's really important for somebody to emotionally connect to something before they can build the trust of thinking okay this is a good idea and rationalize the whole decision 
Spencer, so I, is, this a, is this a four-letter F word? It is a four-letter F word. It's I don't want to lose our clean rating on, on these uh, platforms, but okay, go for it. Exactly. Oh, thank goodness. It's feel. Yeah. Okay. So feel is, for me, one of the – asking questions about how does somebody feel about something is one of the most powerful things that you can do because it starts to hint at what's going to help me make them emotionally connect to something. Um, so again, you know, in this example, I, I, I did like, okay, this feels like it's going to be a lot of work. Mm. Um, or maybe I'm scared that this is going to make me look bad. And I always say that, you know, one of the most important things to keep in the back of your mind is what people are probably thinking is what's the story I tell my boss? Is this going to make me look like a hero inside the company? Or is it going to give me a lot of risk and stress that it might go wrong and I spend a lot of money it doesn't happen? So this maybe isn't something that people talk about a lot, but it's definitely, you know, something that's foremost on people's mind. Oh, I so, think it's huge. From, yeah. a, from a sales context, Spencer, it's like, honestly, if you, and more on the consumer side, but if you really want someone to, to, to think or do something differently, you've got to get them to, to, to feel something. So, you yeah. know, m- maybe you're selling insurance and the way people feel right now is they feel like it's unnecessary, yeah. right? They feel complacent. They feel bored. They feel disinterested. But then yeah. after your presentation, you want them to feel either worried or concerned. <laughs> or after you close the sale, you want them to feel relieved and safe. Yeah. So it's all about constructing that sales presentation. I, I love this. I think this is a great formula. Yeah. And I think like, you know, to pick up on the, the example that you built about, you know, changing what you do with, with sales presentations, that the, the connection, like the fact that you see me and I see you on the screen is a lot more powerful because if you think like, you know, up until, you know, most of the time, you wouldn't see me. You would just see this screen. And I'm hopefully you'll feel that, okay, this isn't as engaging because I can't see Spencer, you know, when he's talking. So it's much better to have that, you know, f- connection with somebody. Oh, and this sure. is the reason why we did Prezi Video because normally like, your little picture goes down very small and then you, you know, screen share your presentation. Um, right. So uh, the human connection aspect of it is, is super important. And go on. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I think that's massive. You know, whenever we're talking to sales reps, I mean, we do a lot of programs on remote selling, virtual selling, digital selling. And yeah. we're always reminding reps, number one, you need to, tur- to turn on your camera. And number yeah. two, just gently, politely, kindly invite your prospect to turn their camera on as well. Yeah, definitely. You pick up so many things and you build rapport and connection. Yeah, and I, I think you know, this starts to get into some more you know, detailed tips for virtual selling. But you know, one of the things, because I've been through this journey myself as well, and you will have as well. Everybody who does video didn't start by being as good as you are at the moment, Tom, on how you're on video. You know, it takes a lot of time and practice and testing and... You know, and one of the most powerful things that I did was I just decided I'm going to create a YouTube channel and I'm just, I'm not going to tell anybody about it. I'm not even <laughs> going to post videos and I'm going to create a hundred videos and see what happens and what I learn. Uh, and then I did the same on LinkedIn. I, I committed to do 30 videos in 30 days, giving 30 tips on LinkedIn. Cool. And it was really tough. Um, <laughs> but what that does is it starts to give you the confidence of, okay, how do I move around this tiny box that we're all talking in nowadays. Um, so I definitely recommend that, you know, 
don't be hard on yourself if you think, oh my God, I can't do video. It's really hard. People can see me and I have to worry about lots of things. And, and we're all the same. We all go through that. But you'll be amazed that once you get past doing 10, 15, 20 videos, that your confidence just rockets. And Oh, for sure. And you've just yeah. got to get started, right? Exactly. I mean, so many people are waiting for perfection, but it's yeah. sort of like you, you've just got to get going. Yeah. You've got to get yeah. going. Exactly. You start, exactly. You're ready. You're ready yeah. now. Just get going. Yeah. And you'll make Not mistakes. Not worry about the setup. Yeah, yeah. You'll make mistakes. It's okay. That's part of it. Um, so I think, and, and like following on from that is, then when you start to the point where you feel really comfortable on camera, and you're now talking to people like, you know, people that, you know, sales prospects or people inside like any meeting, and they come on and they don't have their camera on. And what I do is I always have my camera on. Yep. Now, sometimes I'll have to do the whole call, even if I ask, can you put the, put the camera on? And they say, ah, oh, no, I have, you know, like there's always an excuse. Yep. And I think, okay, but I am going to do this whole call with my camera on, even though I can't see that person. And that, that's not good for me because I can't see facial clues. Are they engaged? Are they checking their email? Um, but what I tend to find is most of the time, if I have my camera on and I ask, people will put their camera on. Um, and then even if I have to go through all the way through a call, the second time I speak to them, they'll have the camera on when they join the call. Because they yeah. suddenly, ah, actually, yes, yeah, Spencer's going to have his video on. <laughs> I'm going to make sure I'm in a, in a place where I feel comfortable having the camera on. So yeah, a lot, of pe a lot of people, they're, you know, maybe it, it's not tidy in the background. Uh, they're not dressed nicely. They're not prepared for it. They didn't know we'd have our cameras on. So, you know, I always tell reps, hey, you know, give, give your prospects a break. You know, don't try to ram it down their throats. Gently invite them. Hey, I've got my camera on. It would be really great to see you too. Uh, but, yeah. you know, you ask maybe once or twice. And if they don't, never mind. You know, the show must go on. You just kind of keep going. In fact, I mean, I've done a lot of virtual keynotes for like 500 people or more, where it's a webinar. So of course, my camera's on, but I can't see any of the participants. Uh, right. Uh, so, so, you know, you're still engaging, looking at the camera and just, you know, looking at everybody because you know, they can see you. So that that's the most important thing. It's just like acting, you know, TV or stage, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, I've, I've gone through a whole raft of learnings in the, in the past year, uh, where I, you know, if you look at me in the last five, six years, I've done mostly talking from stages. And then I switched to video and my experiment of doing the 100 videos or whatever on, on YouTube, what I, what I learned through that is I cannot talk the same way as I do on a stage when I'm in this tiny box environment because it sounds a bit weird. And mm. one of the best tips I have, which will kind of, I guess, a bonus tip before I get into other tips uh, yeah. to do selling, but one of the best things somebody told me was, when you're practicing, put a photograph of somebody you know next to the camera and imagine you're just having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody because mm -hmm. you're in a room on your own and you know you've got, I don't know, a thousand people on the other side, but you can't see them. <laughs> it helps to think, okay, I'm just talking to one person right. and I look at the camera and that's what I'm going to try and do. So I think, yeah, there's a lot of trial and error and practice things that you need to do. Spencer, I, I love that tip. You know, I always try to envision, you know, who, who, who's an actual top customer of mine. And I just yeah. imagine I'm just, I'm just talking to her, right? So let's dive into just a, a few more tips, you know, just as we wrap up here. What, what are some really creative ways that you're seeing 
to engage your audience when presenting on video? What are some other tips that we can do to, to engage when presenting using video? Yeah, sure. So the first thing I would obviously say is you use visuals in an engaging way because, <laughs> you know, and, and connected to that is movement. You know, one of the things that, you know, you'll see, you know, with, with, uh, with Prezi is, you know, when I'm, when I'm moving around, you see the graphics moving and that's actually tied to attention. Mm. You know, if you look at, you know, we can learn a lot from Hollywood and what they did in movies. If you look, I always, when I show video, I'll show a, a clip from a James Bond movie from the 60s and one from Quantum of Solace in 2008. And I, I, I took me a lot of hours, but I managed to find exact same car chase scene, you know, 70 years apart. Um, and what you see that the big difference is the scene lengths are much shorter. The camera angle is not fixed. Mm. And that completely mimics what happens when we're scrolling through our mobile phones because that's what's changed the tension spans. So movement, whether it's I'm talking with my hands or I'm you know, doing something with the, with the graphics, is that spikes dopamine and it grabs people's attention. So right. yes, you need to use it responsibly, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's part and parcel of, of that. So movement and, and visuals are super important. So some people refer to that as like a pattern interrupt. Is this kind of what we're talking about? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the key thing is to change, to change what's happening on the screen frequently. Right, because, it's not monotone, yeah. it's not the same thing. So, you know, if I, for example, I don't know, let's, let's take away the thing. Now, if you just hear me talking like this, and I'm going to keep talking with nothing oh. changing the screen, you very quickly, you're going to be like, okay, I'm going to yeah. check my phone. <laughs> so what you want is a back and forth like we have between us, I'm going to focus, I'm going to hand gesture, I'm going to move, uh, nothing on the screen for too long, and that helps keep attention. So, yeah, that. disruption is a good way to talk about it. Cool, love that. So, let's talk a bit about memory, um, because memory is super important. And if you think about it, we are all super, super busy. You know, anybody watching this today has probably just saw this in a feed and they've gone, oh, this looks interesting, and they've got a million things in their head. And they, even if they watch all of the content, they'll only remember a few little bits of it when they're finished. And that's what you have to accept as a salesperson, that when you give a presentation, people are not going to retain everything that you say. And what most of us do is we leave it to chance what's actually retained. Mm. When with a few things, you can start to influence what people remember because we have lots of tools, even in this tiny box, um, so the first is obviously visualize. If I bring something up on the screen that visualizes one of my key messages, and I would say no more than three key messages that you want somebody to walk away with, but I can visualize it. I can obviously put text on the screen, which is almost like doing underline in the document. Mm. And the third thing I've got is obviously the words that I say. So I've got visuals, text, and the words that I say. So this is how I reinforce certain things. Now imagine I take this, and I then say, okay, here's all the slides that are in my presentation. And I start to repeat these messages throughout the session, throughout the presentation. So that starts to make it really sticky. And if you want to take it like a level further, if you can take these three points and wrap them in story, that makes it even more memorable. So if you're going to use story, use story for your three key points, because people remember the story, they'll remember the visual, so then it all starts to connect. And when they come off that presentation or come off that call, then they'll probably you know, have those three things. 
So repetition is what gives people memory. And if you think about, you know, go back and look at some of the stuff that Steve Jobs used to do. He was one of the, he used to use rhetorical devices, or, mm. whether it was power of three, you know, things yep. that the iPhone was always thinner, faster, lighter. Yeah. Uh, but repetition was something that he used very powerfully as well. Um, so yeah, so the, the takeaways basically influence what people take away from what it is that you're saying, because that is super powerful. Well, I love what you said, Spencer, about, you know, what you want people to take away. So, I mean, I'm already remembering those three things you talked about around what do you want people to think? What do you want people to do? And what do you want people to feel? So that was really great in terms of getting me to remember that. What are some other tips for visual presentations? Yeah, sure. So the next thing I would probably talk about is something called the 20% rule. And mm. uh, this is something I've seen that you, Tom, are really good at from the second we started this call. Oh. So the 20% rule is to give 20% more in terms of your voice, in terms of movement, mm. you know, also like not only uh, facial expression. So because what you suddenly understand is when somebody's watching a video, we're going back to this, if I just stand here very still and talk in the mm. monotone it's not very, it's not very interesting. But if I'm more expressive with both my face, you know, my eyebrows are moving, uh, then that starts to have a really good impact in terms of how engaging something is. And it also has a bit of a, a secret side benefit, which for me was really powerful because what I noticed, and maybe I've been doing it in the call with you, I, I didn't pick up on it, but I use filler words sometimes where mm. like I say, you know, or uh, which I think, you know, a lot of us doing these. Is, a lot these of people do that. Um, uh... Now, if you raise your voice, 20% more, for you, it's going to sound really strange that you're talking at this unnatural level. But <laughs> people watching, it actually sounds really good and really engaging. But when you raise your voice, because it's not natural, it's not your normal tempo, it actually almost eliminates straight away filler words. That's because interesting. Filler words, when you're talking in this quick, because you're talking quite fast and your brain's moving, and, and that's when you use the filler words. But when I have to raise my voice, I have to do things in a more purposeful way. So 20% more in, in a virtual environment like this is really powerful. And it connects to all the things that we, we spoke about before. But yeah, yeah I've seen you, you do this very well. Oh, thank you, Spencer. Well, I love that because I've been telling people when you're on video, for example, you, you've got to up the ante. You've got to up the energy a little bit. Otherwise, yeah. they're just going to fall asleep as though they're just watching some TV show. So you want to keep their engagement. So you got to up it just a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. And I think like we spoke about before about practice, practice, practice. It's going to seem weird. It's going to seem strange when you first start doing it. But just keep going. Keep going, keep doing it, and it will start to become more natural. So I think definitely an, an important thing. That's and a great point. The, the final one, which I think especially for salespeople, and especially this year, mm. is something that's really worth keeping in the back of our minds, and that's thinking about the unseen. Because, you know, we've obviously, I said, you know, I use the filler <laughs> words. So when you think about the last few months and all of the chaos that COVID has thrown at us and we have to work from home and, some of us have kids. Some of us are not in a great uh, location to do video calls. Everybody has a lot of things going on and a lot of extra pressure on them. And what we see is when you go into a call with somebody, you think, okay, this person is this job title and their job is to I give them this information and that's going to help make, them make that decision. 
but maybe they've had a really bad day. Maybe they had something happen to them that morning or the day before. Maybe something's going on in the house that, they, that is bothering them. So keep an eye out for, you know, I always say people have a hidden emotional gender. And I don't mean hidden as in they're trying to keep it secret from you, but it can change what they do, what they say, what decisions they'll make. So I'm always a big advocate for like, if you sense that is to pull back and say, you know, I see that you're, you know, you're not responding to this, you know, is this, mm. this bad time? Do you want to delay the call? You know, like, again, ask for directions that we spoke about before. But I think at the moment, trust is everything. In, Spencer, in- I think you and I are like, uh, what is it? Two sides of the same coin. Because yeah. I tell reps this all the time. It's like, yeah. you need to pay attention to these signals. And then when you notice them, don't ignore them. If you yeah. can see that someone looks distracted, you could just, just have some courage and say, I just want to check in. Is this a good time for us to have this call? Because we can reschedule if it works better for you. Yeah, definitely. Or, 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 or I, I can hear your kids in the background. Are, are they okay? I've got kids too. So I, I'm just wondering from a, from a dad perspective. I mean, is everything okay? We can pause for a minute. You can exactly. see and look, if your customer is not feeling comfortable, they're going to say no to whatever yeah. you propose. So make yeah. sure you set up the environment nicely. Uh, Spencer, I love that tip. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, one of the things that we've seen from the last few months is people are allowed to be human probably more than ever before on these calls. You know, anything, you know, whereas before, like myself, I would be petrified of something going wrong, something happening, and sure, I'm still going to plan to make sure things run smoothly, but it's okay if the kids come in. It's okay if certain things happen because we're all dealing with it. So I think it's, we, we have permission almost now to stop and say, is everything okay? Should we do this another time? So yeah, I completely agree with you. That's a great point. And honestly, I think because we're all human, our customers want to see us as human. I mean, as you were telling that, that example there, Spencer, I was remembering back to that old BBC video we saw a few years back about, you know, the, the guy doing the webcam thing and then his kids and his, his wife come crashing through the door and there's this big drama and he's trying to pretend it's not happening and the, the mom yeah. is going crazy. It's like, if my boys come in right now, it's like, you know, hey, Spencer, here's Liam, here's Theo. It's yeah. not a big deal. You're human. You have kids. Relax. It's, if anything, it would be endearing. But yeah. trying to fake it and pretend it's not there just makes you look like a phony. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think it's funny you mentioned the BBC one because I suspect if the same thing happened today, first of all, the, the journalist would be at home as well. Uh, right. You'd probably, everybody would do it differently because the, the world has changed. It's a different time. For sure. Yeah. It's a different time. Well, this has been really great, Spencer. So thank you so much for sharing with our audience some really great tips on how to make your, your virtual presentations more engaging. So where can people get a hold of you? At the best place is LinkedIn. I spend entirely too much time there. So just Spencer Older and Prezi, you'll find me on LinkedIn. Please come talk to me. I'm always happy to chat about communication. So. Well, this is great. So Spencer, we're going to put uh, that link in the show notes. So feel free to reach out to Spencer on LinkedIn. And uh, thank you for joining us today. And thanks to all of you viewers and listeners for joining this episode of the Selling in Asia podcast. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thanks, everybody.